this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Please, won't you come have dinner with me and drink some Romulan ale? Eric, aren't you a person? Are you there, Eric? Ben, if I were human, I believe my response would be, go to hell if I were human. Well, my response to that is, let's talk Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country on the Pod of Dreams. Klingon Empire has 50 years of life left to it. To offer Klingons a safe haven within Federation space is suicide. They're animals. Jim, they are dying. And you, Captain Kirk, are to be our first olive branch. Me? The galaxy stands at a crossroads. This is the Starship Enterprise. We've been ordered to escort you to your meeting on Earth. Guess who's coming to dinner? I have so wanted to meet you, Captain. One warrior to another? Right. On the verge of peace. The undiscovered country. The future. On the brink of war. We come in peace, and you blatantly defile that we haven't fired. According to our databanks, we have. I shall blow you out of the stars. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of universal peace. They're coming about. Battle stations. Fights not to win battles. Incoming. Signal our surrender. Captain? We surrender. But to end them forever. We would consider an attempt to rescue them an act of war. There will never be a better time. This is Captain Sulu, USS Excelsior. We stand ready to assist you. This is fun. You do prefer it this way, as it was meant to be. Warrior to warrior. She cannot take much more of it. Cry havoc! Shield! And let's slip the dogs of war! Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pod of Dreams. If you listen, we will pod. I'm excited, Eric, because today is my turn to pick one of my five favorite movies of all time. Number five. Number five for you. I, I, I said to myself... I'm not going to care what other people think. I'm not going to try to do what uh, ought to be on there, what's considered great. I'm going to do movies that really have and do matter to me on several levels and have worked and keep working for me on so many levels. Uh, So with that said, I picked Star Trek VI. There's a lot of reasons why, and I can talk for a long time about why I love this movie. I already can gather that you're a little incredulous. Why? Where where are you getting that from? Uh, Your tone, your general demeanor. Okay. Your 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 tenor. Five favorite. Just just I can just gather. 
Um, and maybe I I'm just want, projecting. I just wanted to make it clear we're, we're doing this little stupid game where we're switching off picking our five favorite movies. We I started out number five was Heat for me. This is your choice. Number five for you is Star Trek Six. I just wanted to make it clear for all of our wonderful listeners that got it. Okay. they understand well, that's what we're doing. There's a lot of context about my personal life for reasons why I like this movie. I won't get into those right this very second. You asked last week, Eric, do I need to know more about the other Star Trek movies to understand or to get it? I said probably not to follow the plot of this movie, but let's check in on that. Were you particularly confused by what was going on in this movie? No, because because really all that's required is just a general understanding of the Star Trek franchise. Um <laughs> And like who who the main players are, they, they didn't spend any time with that in this movie. It's it, there is an assumption. You know who Kirk is. You know who Spock is. You know who Bones is. Correct. They don't, they don't introduce any of those people. But like, there was a bit like it seemed as if there was some history between Spock and Kirk that I just don't know. Um, I have seen the first one. I have seen Rathacon. I think that's it as far as what I've seen, or at least that I have any memory of. Um, so there seemed as if there was some history. Uh, George Takai's character, uh, Zulu's like, he's got his own ship. That part was just like, oh, I thought he was, wasn't he on their ship? So there was some stuff where I was confused about. Worf shows up from the next generation as their It's Lord. not Worf, but it's, 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 it's oh. Worf's grandpa. It's very confusing. Isn't it the same actor, though? It's the same actor. It's Michael Dorn who plays Worf, but All he's right. playing Worf's grandfather or great-grandfather. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But yes, I thought it was Worf up until like the second time I saw it, and then I realized it wasn't actually Worf. It seems like Worf. He's being Worf. He's acting as Worf. But it's technically not Worf. That's fair. It's you confusing. You said Worf a lot, right? Like Worf. Like six times. <laughs> yep, that's true. So yeah, so I mean, I, I wasn't confused. The plot, it, it, it explains itself quite well. It's its own sort of standalone story in that regard. Um, you do have to know, I think, who the Klingons are to I guess, grasp what happens in this movie. Uh, there was a bit about the politics between like what happens on Earth with uh, the RoboCop guy as this weird-looking president. I don't know what his story was. Yeah, I but... think he's blind. That's never explained, but I think he's playing a character who's blind. Again, that's not made explicit, but I think that's and part of his character. The color of his skin is, is something that I don't, I don't even want to comment on. I don't know what is going on with his hair. Anyways, um, yeah, he... Yeah. Th that that stuff and sort of like why the Federation was so adamant about like or, there was this internal fight which ended up being the plot point of the whole movie but about like why they didn't want to save the Klingons why they didn't why some of them wanted to kill them like there's stuff like that. I didn't get like why do I hate these people so much like what what's going on here so but other than that yeah it's got its own plot it's got its own story I wasn't super confused uh, this is like one of the first times where we've kind of just dived right into a franchise and like thrown cautions. I suppose we did The Last Jedi, our first episode, where we're just kind of... Yeah, eighth episode in. Right, yeah, there's a lot of context. To, don't need don't need to have a whole discussion on each episode. So, uh, But it, uh, this movie felt to me like it, just an episode of Star Trek. Like, you just, <laughs> if you were just like, hey dude, this is my favorite episode of Star Trek, let's watch it. That's kind of what this felt like to me. I don't know. So, so th no, that's, I think, a keen observation. It, a lot of movies, it does feel like an episode of Star Trek, which is part of why I like it, because I like Star how, Trek. How is it different? I mean, it's a little longer. And a little, well, the little budget's better, even though the special effects are dated and they look goofy now. It's 91, so I mean, I, that wasn't 
I didn't. I mean, I'm not. But they look way better than the '60s show. Yeah, they have a much bigger budget for special effects and settings and filming, so it's shot way better. Most episodes of Star Trek are shot kind of boring. Kind of looks like it's shot. It's got to be the same cinematographer and all that. Is it? Is it really that different? I think so. The camera moves a lot more. It's more dynamic. They have way more locations in Star Trek. Once, once you get to Kirk in the prison thing, then I'm like, oh, that this feels different. This doesn't feel like yeah. And there's a bunch of different locations in Star Trek. You usually get like four rooms. Like you get some stuff on Enterprise. Here's a room where there's a planet where people are discussing something, and then maybe here's something shot in like South. You know, South Southern California. Yeah, they get like three alien planet, like that, yeah. and that's it. Um, and even when you get to TNG, where the shows get more budget, it gets better, but it's still very similar. And this, it, it's shot similarly, but I do think they they have a little more fun with it, and they do well, a little more cinematographically, sort of, you know, it's cinematically. To me, so this is number six in the movies, correct? Right? So the the original series was only like a couple seasons, right? Three. 60, I think 66 does, to 69. Does the first movie just spin off directly from the, like, the last episode of the show? Or is it its own storyline? I guess that had me a little confused. And then the next generation starts already at this time, right? So is it already going? When yeah, the oh yeah. Are this out? is well into the TNG. Like, this is probably... Season three and, and or four the, of TNG. For the uninitiated, TNG. Yeah, and we're gonna we're getting way into the weeds, which is fine. Well, I love geeking out about this stuff. Like you're gonna get me going, Eric, and I'm gonna be so happy I mean, to. I'm, I'm gonna be so happy talking about Star Trek with my buddy Eric. Is that Joe, is that Trump? Are you in Trump here? I love Star Trek. It's great. Yeah, no, we'll you're getting me going. I'm getting excited, okay. but this is a lot of minutia. So you're asking these questions. I'm gonna answer them. Yes, well, TNG I, is the I, next I generation. I generally don't know. I'm not just trying to be... There's like a, a ton of nerdy acronyms. The original series, as people call it, TOS. That's your acronym for the, you know, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, the original run of Star Trek happened in the 60s. Then the next wave that came along uh, with Patrick Stewart and Michael Dorn as Worf um, and Jonathan Frakes as Riker and the next generation that was the name of the show and they call it TNG. And there's other... Spinoffs. When, when did that start? Do you have? Do you remember like a year? Is it? Is it the nineties or is it the late? It's, 80s? it's the late eighties. So by okay. the time this movie came out, so we were like three or four seasons into the next generation. It and, was and full so this flinch. is the sixth movie. So they're cranking out these movies what every other year. Seven, so seventy nine is the first one. Ninety one is the last one. So yeah. But, so rolling through the whole eighties, we're crushing these Star Trek movies. Basically. Yes. Correct. Um. You asked about the continuities. I, oh, so yeah. The show yeah. happens in the 60s, and then in 79 you get the motion picture, the boring one that bored you to tears, and it is if the most boring one. you are not put on Star Trek the motion and they, and they and, and there's cool ideas, but they rip a couple of things heavily off of uh, 2001. I mean, there's some really, really blatant stealing it's of like 2001. It's like a satellite that has become self-autonomous. Uh, self-aware. It was a ship that they sent out a long time ago, and it ran into some galaxy where machines are self-aware and they give it consciousness and it tries to go back and meet god which is us which is a cool idea but it's very boring and slow and very few people will actually like that movie but that takes place after the show like i don't know 10 years 15 20 years like the characters have gone on and done other stuff and then the plot brings them back together for whatever's going on i don't know not unlike this movie not unlike number six correct but the movies are all the same universe all going forward all straight line. We don't have alternate universes or anything like that. It's just, I mean, I'm, I'm ignoring any Star Trek nerds that are listening. I'm ignoring a couple of like Mirrorverse episodes and random stuff like that. It doesn't matter. Generally, 
one straight line. And well, the movie's and coming Abrams, out. Abrams kind of wipes off. Eventually, that. yeah, yeah. That, we're, we're, that's way in the future. But yes, eventually Abrams is going to come and create an alternate timeline that's different from this one. But at this point, we just have the one. But this goes just not to to derail this. That Abrams' characters are supposed to be these same people, just in a different universe, right? Correct. It's the same yep. cast. The characters are the same. Correct. Cast, obviously. Yeah. Sort of different circumstances for meeting each other. But, so yes. So these movies are rolling along. The next generation comes out. Does the next generation tie into the movies in any way? Because, like I said, Worf or his <laughs> grandfather is in this movie as their lawyer, but he plays then like a Klingon officer in the well, show. So the next movie that's going to come out is called Star Trek Generations, and that's like officially a passing the torch movie because you get some Kirk in it and you get some of the other characters. Um, I think DeForest Kelly might have died by now. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't remember when he died. He died sometime around the 90s. He may have already passed away. So you, you're already losing some of the characters, um, or the actors. Uh, and that's, that's one where... That's Bones, right? Bones, yes, correct. McCoy? The Doctor. Okay. Yeah, right. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy, not Colt McCoy, but uh, McCoy. The famous uh, quarterback for the Texans. Correct. Uh, and uh, follow, filling in for the Cardinals yeah. these days. Um so that happens. That's really a TNG movie, but that you just get this Kirk and Picard, Patrick Stewart's here, they have a scenes together and they interact a little bit and it's kind of like the torch has passed. And then you get, there's four, to- if you count generations, there's four total next generation movies. And then the next thing we get are the J.J. Abrams, which are just reimaginings, alternate universe versions of the original series characters. So this is the last time, this movie, the last time we see that cast really in their, in their own movie. Correct. So you're, you're you're getting to one of the one of the many reasons why I love this movie, um, and it works for me on a, on a deep level. But um, so for me, I didn't see any of these until I you know I've seen Star Wars a bunch of times by the mid '90s. So this is some of them '94, '95, '96. I find out and the Star Trek isn't just an old show from the '60s. They actually had movies that were recent-ish at the time. I mean, '79 is old, but not that old. And the '80s movies didn't seem that old in the '90s to me. You know, so I went through and then I watched them all in order, and I've done that three times: the one through six in order. Sometimes I've gone on and done the TNG movies, uh, but I've done that three total times. And each time I would do this, the six would rise more and more in my rankings of these movies. It would connect with me on deeper levels every time. The Wrath of Khan is the most fun one. If I have to host Eric and pick a Star Trek movie to watch, I gotta try to entertain Eric. It's very important for me to entertain Eric. I'm picking Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. It's the most classically entertaining. You get a bombastic villain. It's just a fun movie, I think, and I think it's a crowd pleaser and that is pretty accessible if you just want to see a fun space movie, uh, as far as that goes. This is the one that, that matters the most to me for so many different reasons. Um, as, as I've gotten older, it really resonates in a way that makes me love it really, really deeply. Um, but you mentioned the Klingons, and there's history there. and it's I, I love, as a nerd, that it doesn't spend a lot of time dealing with stuff it just assumes you have that context it lets them dive into other stuff the klingons were one of two primary adversaries in the original series show and in the movies it's the klingons klingons are always there to get in fights over politics uh with you know kirk um and even picard they're just the main adversaries at this time they portray them as like warmongers is that well yeah yeah so their whole culture is they're very pro-military they honor warriors above all else. That's what matters. And really, 
because Star Trek has always been about social commentary, the Klingons have always been a stand-in for the Soviet Union. So like the 60s episodes, the Klingons were like the Russians, and the Federation was like the U.S., and they'd like fight over a planet that had natural resources, and they'd both be trying to get a planet on their side because they need some natural resource that the planet has. And there's ethical debates about, hey, you know, they're the main political adversaries. So when you say that, like they, the Federation has been at war uh, on and off, kind of in a cold, indirect way with the Klingons for like several decades, like the U.S. and Russia in the middle of the 20th century. Earth years. Earth years. Sure. Sure. Um, but what's happening in the real world it, by 1991 is the Berlin Walls come down. Soviet Union has collapsed. The Cold War is over. So one of the ways this movie works is for me is that we've got this wonderful, idealistic, and this is the one thing about, like, about Star Trek, I'm, I'm very cynical in actuality. I, I'm not optimistic. I tend to think the worst of people. Um, but Star Trek is about what could humans be? What might we do? What would be the best version of ourselves? And we're kind of wrestling with that. So here we take this future show where we're going to get rid of this adversary that has plagued the Federation for so long and now got to figure out a new way forward. Um, or we can have more, more of a, a keep fighting for another 50 years. And we have the USSR and the US being done and the Berlin Wall's coming down. So now we've got to figure out a new way forward with Russia. And it can be a little scary because there's lots of people who define themselves as, I hate Russians. I hate Klingons. That's what's happening in people's heads. And they don't want the clash to stop. They want it to keep going. It's reassuring. It feels safe. It, it feels natural. They don't want to change. And that's a big theme in this movie is trying to create a better future, even if you're not in it or even if it makes you uncomfortable, trying to make things better, um, trying not to cling to bad ways of doing things. Um, so that's one of the ways that worked for me. Um, but before we even get there, Eric, I, I guess I should ask you, this movie entertains me on a service level. I'm not bored watching this. I don't view this as vegetables at all. Um, you described it as an episode of Star Trek. How bored were you watching this? Was it did it entertain you at all a little bit? Was it a chore for you to watch? You know, I thought I thought an awful lot about Game of Thrones for whatever reason. Um, and I think mostly because that show had politics, you know, it was certainly a lot about, you know, the succession and the monarchy and the political dealings between different cultures and you know, obviously it's not space, it's it's in some fantasy world. But like that show had a lot of people talking about their political beliefs or needs. This movie has a lot of that too. I mean, there's a dinner scene where the Klingons are brought onto the ship and they're sort of just debating their cultural beliefs. And I don't know why Game of Thrones works well for me and this just doesn't. I, I, I guess I can't quite articulate it. Um I think there's something in the the actors, the cast. There's just there's nothing about any of these people that I find dynamic or interesting. Um, yeah, they're not great actors. They work for me because I've been with these characters in a lot of circumstances, and I I naturally connect with them. But I, I wouldn't call any of these great they, performances. They deliver lines like a daytime soap opera in the <laughs> way that they're acting. I mean, even you've got like uh, Christopher Plummer, right? He plays one of the the main the Klingons. Uh, yes, yep. Like he's a great actor, although I think he's got some stuff, some accusation stuff. Maybe I'm mis misremembering that. Anyways, uh, he's a great actor and been great in things. But in this movie, it's just like it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, are you're not in the movie? You're not in the same movie as 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 all the rest. Of no, the he's movie. being goofy. The endless Shakespeare quoting. Like, 
hey man, I'm showing up to just do my Star Trek show. Like what are you, like what are you doing, man? And it just it doesn't fit. It just it really all all of the Star Trek acting and the way they talk to each other, the dialogue, um, it just doesn't work for me. I I, I, I just find it so monotonous it's so one note all of the people act the same and maybe that's intentional because they're supposed to be like military officers and um space explorers but I, there's just nothing dynamic about any of the characters for me and that that to me is the biggest entry point challenge is is i just i don't i don't find these people interesting i don't find i mean it's like you just give them different accents and that's supposed to like separate them or you give one guy some weird pointy ears like like i mean i get that the vulcan is spock a vulcan to have that correct, right? He's correct, a vulcan, yes. right he's got his own sort they have their own sort of ways of thinking and about sort of you know common sense or whatever morality is different than most humans but other than that I, how would you describe any of these people kirk doesn't follow the rules sometimes I, that's why I think, like with the new movies, the the Abrams movies, a lot of that is more exaggerated. Like the the characters have more life to them. And I'm not saying I, I think the first Star Trek movie, Abrams movie, is pretty good. I really, I do actually really like that movie. Yeah, it's solid. Um, but I mean, the stories, the plots, and in, in the you know whatever the other Star Trek movies have not been great. I, the plot of this is interesting. I I will say that for sure. It's this uh, this war torn or, or adversary that they have is is their civilization is at risk and it's like do we bring them in or we just let them die you know kirk is like he killed my son they killed my son like fuck him let him die i don't care um and i guess that's an interesting perspective is that in one of the other movies yeah son dies in i think the third one um killed by christopher lloyd's klingon um christopher lloyd plays klingon in the third search of movie um no, I mean, I think that's all fair. I mean, these, we but have the, these... like, the, like, investigative part of it where it's, like, these guys from our ship did the thing, and then they had these boots, and it's, like, we're trying to prove that it wasn't us, that it was these other people, and then Kirk gets sent to, to jail. Like, that whole sequence, I don't know, it, it just seemed like we're wasting time to get to, like, we're extending the story longer than it needs to be. Like, it's, like, we wrote a Star Trek episode, and we're, like, how do we make this longer? Oh, let's send Kirk to some ice planet to pretend like he's in prison, then just break him out and have that have really no impact on the story. Although that's well, the part of the movie I like the most. But. I think it's fun. I yeah. mean, I, I think it's a fun sequence, and I, it doesn't bore me. I mean, yeah, you could trim this down into an episode of Star Trek and get rid of some of the fluff. You could have him not go over. I mean, I you know, I, I think there's more meat on the bone to the narrative than you give it credit for, but it's these people were picked to be actors in the 1960s for whatever reason they were cast. And they've been basically locked into these characters since. Almost none of them, with the exception of William Shatner, have gone on to do much else. I think it's probably because they're not great actors. Um, but that doesn't make me love them any less um, because they've just embodied these characters in my brain so so well. So here is 1991. You know, they... But it's just like there. you got. You, I cannot do it anymore, Captain. Like the ship won't take it. Like that. That's his. That's all that guy is. It's like yeah. So the side character thing. is even worse. I mean, I think they're well. Let, let's put this way. Scotty, that, right? That's Scotty, right? Yeah, like, yeah that's yeah. Scotty, the the chief engineer. Yep. So that's Spock, pretty good, Scotty, right? That's pretty good. I cannot take a captain. The ship is. I mean, I can tell what you're going for. Down. 
It's not, I mean, you're doing. It sounds like you're doing Mike Myers from uh, So I Married an Axe Murder, but it's close <laughs> enough. A little faster, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, get him a Billy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think there's more to McCoy, Spock, um, and Kirk than any of the side characters don't have a lot to do. They rarely have a lot to do. They fill niche roles in the show, relatively speaking. The heart of of the, all these movies, I think, is those three men. And people have hypothesized that Spock is logic, um, that Kirk is feeling pathos, and that McCoy is ethos, right? So if you step back from a like macro sense, there are three parts of like a psyche, and they're like, what's logical? What makes sense? What is reasonable? What is fair? The ones I want to act. And even talked about it a little bit, Kirk's like, I always like to just dive right in and not think about stuff. And Spock's a little too reflective. Is that like you and me? Am I the am I the Kirk and you're the Spock, or Maybe. am I the Spock sure. and you're the Kirk? Sure. I'm, and then I'm more of a bone. I'm more of a bones guy. Well, bones is more of like the ethics. He comes in as like, "What's the right thing to do, man?" I tried to save yeah, him. But he's always bitching about stuff. He's always he's, complaining too. Well, that, well, that's part of his. He's a curmudgeon, and he's yeah. always kind of grumpy about stuff. I mean, that that's kind of him too. But I mean, when it comes to like the ethical debates, he's coming in and saying, "We've got to think about doing it this way. This is what we ought to do." Uh, this is this is the correct thing to do morally. He tends to have those kind of arguments. So, I mean, that's the core. And this one, McCoy has less to do even in that. It's really Kirk and Spock both having to kind of realize both people had good I, I thought Spock had very little to do in this movie. He, he wrote it, right? Didn't Leonard Nimoy write the He, he has story credit. He doesn't okay. have a screenplay credit, so he said some of the ideas are his. But there's three people that have it, so I don't know who suggested what stuff to say. No, I mean, and he's a key role in the narrative. I mean, he he's the guy that wants the peace tree to happen. He gets the plot going. He has to help get Kirk back, and he has to admit and make some concessions. And um, one of the scenes, I mean, I like it's horrifying, and it's more horrifying every time I see it. Is when so there's a Vulcan woman uh, played by Kim Cattrall who's in on this conspiracy. The whole plot is that Kirk is framed for murdering this. Klingon ambassador that wants to broker peace between the Federation and the Klingons. And we unravel that mystery. Kirk has to go to jail at some point and he gets busted out of jail and they, they figure it all out. But it's a big conspiracy between the Romulans, the humans, and the Klingons. Who's, so the, who's this, the Romulans again? What are those? He's, uh, they also have pointy answers where it's going to get really confusing. They have too? What's, yes, they, they, they have the same ancestors. Years? They have the same ancestors as the Vulcans. The Romulans and the Vulcans share a genetic ancestor. At one point in their ancient histories, Vulcans decided... They hated emotions, they repressed them, and they believed in logic. Romulan said, screw that, emotions rule, and they went off on a different sort of evolutionary cultural branch. And so the Romulans are one of the other adversaries. Who's the uh, Romulan in this movie? He has, like, two scenes, and he hardly says anything. So in Red from that 70s show, he's there, and they're deciding what to do. Oh, he's like, the, like, he got, I thought he was the Vulcan. He's on, like, the council. Well, there's one guy who's a Vulcan who's Spock's oh, dad. Best. Okay. And there's another Spock's guy who's, dad? Spock's and dad who also has 20 years who's standing and he's a Romulan. Jesus yes. Christ. Okay. I, know. I, I didn't catch all that. I, you wouldn't. It's fine. It doesn't really matter for the sake of this. Again, this is, this movie's about me and my love for it. I'm not trying to make the case really for anybody. You're, I'm just, I mean, that's a movie I love because it matters to me. Um, a whole, a whole heck of a lot. Anyway, there's this irony that these people who are really worried about Klingons and humans working together, humans, Klingons, and Romulans work together to stop Klingons and humans from working together. So there's really great irony at the heart of the movie. Um, but then there's this whole stuff about like 
aging and endings, this like subtext and current underneath this all that I like. So totally fair that the actors aren't really very good. They're kind of one note. That's why some of them are even kind of maybe even mailing it a little bit. They've been doing this for, you know, off and on for. It seems like I a paycheck, paycheck job for some of them. 25 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, 25 years. And maybe some of their things, but they've all aged. Um, they haven't been replaced by younger models yet. That's going to happen in the next 15 years. Um, they look old. They look tired. They look like ready to move on. And I like seeing that. It's a thing you don't see a lot in movies anymore. No, where this, this movie with this cast, you will never see something like that again. Like it's an like, entire cast of old, like old timers. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And. And they're dealing with their own obsolescence, right? Spock has a painting where he's like a. It reminds me that all things end, the expulsion from paradise, or whatever it is. All thing that you know, all things pass, or that we're getting old, or we've outlived our usefulness, and that's kind of happening. TNG is coming on, a, a new new series that's you know. It'd be like if they made an Avengers movie like thirty years from now, and like they bring back Downey Jr. and freaking Chris Evans, and they're all like 70 years old or whatever, and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, and, I, and they're not going to do it. It was very unique, but it's like the end of this era. These actors are getting old, but DeForest Kelly's going to die, and of course, I don't remember, Scotty Duhan, or um, was it Patrick Duhan? I, the guy that plays Scotty, he, I mean, he died I a while ago. I can't do it, Captain. The ship can't take it anymore. Yeah, I mean, he has, I mean, nothing to do in this movie, but it, it's fine. Um, I'm, J- James Doohan? James Doohan, there we go. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's played Scotty. Um, I mean, a lot of these, act, I mean, they're not going to be in a big movie. This is the last big movie some of these folks are going to do. Um, and, you know, some of them, at one point, Divorce Gary's like, you know, any day now, could keel over. He's going to die a few years later. Um, so this whole thing about getting old, and you've talked about spending time with characters. I mean, these are characters... I love spending time with this as a kid. I always get sort of sad, nostalgic every time I watch this movie. Um, and it's it's so unique. There aren't very many like blockbusters that are, yeah, just starring a bunch of old people. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't laugh a ton, but I kind of smirk at some of the absurdity. Um, there are some cool like ideas. Old ass Captain Kirk getting into fist fights in this movie. And then- sure. Kicking well, the like, thing, thing in the knees, but it's actually his junk. His nuts, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that blew my mind as a kid. It was like, oh, genitals aren't all the same. What, really? Like, oh, no. you know that was funny. Okay. No, it blew my mind that that was oh. a possibility. Like oh, the sure. the like idea that oh yeah, there could be other ways of being structured now. And I'm not talking about like laughing my my ass up. I'm talking about oh yeah, I mean. I, I guess there's there's no reason why it has to always be in the well, same spot. Well, that was the interesting thing about Bones when he's like, I can't. What do you? Want? I don't know his anatomy. Like, I, right. I can't save this guy. I, I want to try. I'll do what I can. But like, I don't know what's inside this fucking thing. Yeah. You know? True. But I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, the, the Klingons haven't worked oh, with. No. The... They would have studied that, right? Wouldn't they? No. Uh, they wouldn't have. I don't know. I mean, they would never it, take it, a captive Klingon and dissect him and figure well, out. Well, the Klingon, I, I, I. I like so, you're saying the Federation would capture Klingon and keep him prisoner, and then like dissect no, I mean, him during some sort of war with an alien species? Isn't that part of what the Enterprise is for? Is to like explore the universe and figure out what's going on? Wouldn't that part of that be like what's going on with these creatures we've been fighting with? What's murdering the, them? We, and... we would want to know how, how to defeat them. We'd want to know what their anatomy is, right? Wouldn't we? Like if, maybe we'd if, want to know, but but forget Klingons, forget fucking Star Trek. 
if all of a sudden an alien species was attacking us, we would try to figure out what's going on with their anatomy, right? Wouldn't we? No? I guess how would we get their bodies? Yeah, well, they'd come here, we'd kill a couple, and send them off to the lab. Well, the Klingons didn't off. just come to Earth and start attacking. I mean, no, I don't remember what the first... Whatever. We'd take over a ship, and I don't know. I I don't know. There's probably some Hague Convention rules on... Well, this is this is that. one of the things, like that that conversation that, you, that fell flat for you, the dinner table, like, this is one of the debates. So the Starfleet is ostensibly for, like, exploration, seeking out strange new worlds and new civilizations. supposed to be about the peace and science. Where no man is going right. It's supposed to be about peace and science, but so much of what they do ends up becoming militaristic and fighting and dominance and control. And that's the point that gets made during that you know dinner scene where there's tension within the ideals of Starfleet. Yeah, they're Some like people... diplomats mostly, right? I mean, isn't that... Well, kind of... that that's up for debate. I think the Klingons have some good points with regard to that. Uh, it's tough to say they're purely scientific. There's a lot of the line gets really blurry between what they're doing militaristically well, and you got or not. Kirk just just crushing ass wherever he goes too, right? Well, that, that, yeah, that's just like an old in joke. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's like he's constantly getting having sex with women, females of all species. It's bizarre. That that's just Wasn't like a, let's... The, is it true that the first interracial kiss on TV was on Star Trek? Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. That's in the cool. 60s. That's a cool Yeah, I mean, it's always been trying to talk about complex social issues in a science fiction setting. And there's the they call back to that in this movie, right? He kisses the one woman. Who, yeah, she ends up being like a shapeshifter, so that, I guess, doesn't totally add up. But Sure, sure. I mean, the whole prison sequence is mostly just silly. I mean, they're just kind of goofing off at that point. It's fun. Um, but, I mean, you're right that it's not it's not crucial or anything. It's just like, this is goofy and it's weird. Um, but, you know, this is like, for endings to a franchise, there are very few to me that, that stick the landing um, and, and that do it as well as this. This is to but me... See, it did not feel like an ending movie to me. Oh. Okay. Because the characters had no time to, like, say goodbye. They had no time to, to t- really talk about the end of their time together. It was really more just the story ended and then it's over. They're, they're I, didn't need, I didn't need a conversation about it. I mean, we get the scene at the end. We're like, all right, we're coming in. We're going to decommission the ship. We're done. You guys are you guys are out. And that's where you get the go to hell line from Spock. Yeah. Um, and they just go and they take the ship out for a spin for a while before coming in and their career's ending. Um, and there's all this talk about endings. And I, I don't need like a heartfelt goodbye. I don't need tears uh, at all that wouldn't work as well for me. That would be like trying too hard and being overtly manipulative and cloying here. It's understated in a way that works for me in my brain. You gotta have one of the main characters die. You just got to oh. you have to say, say goodbye to Scotty. Captain, oh, I'm, I'm, dying, I'm dying. Captain. I've been shot. Something like that. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I disagree. I, I didn't need that. Um, and in fact, uh, although that could have happened, I wouldn't have hated that. I, I like that Kirk says a line at one point. We don't matter. Like he's trying to figure out. He's like, okay, what matters ethically here is we got to avoid like some crazy intense war with a bunch of like kamikaze Klingons whose civilization's gonna collapse in fifty years. We got to figure this out. I, we're a couple of old fogies. We don't matter. We got we got to sort this out. Um, it's a line I like hearing. I, you don't usually hear your protagonist say, "We don't matter." What matters ethically here is this abstract situation. We really don't matter. We're about to go into the history books. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm different. I, I didn't, I didn't need anything on basket or melodramatic or over just them taking the thing out and one last spin before they decommissioned. They got one last hurrah, which we all know. I mean, this is 1991. You know this if if you've seen these movies now in order, you know anything about them. You know this is really the end. Um, then generations does come along, and some of these characters have a very small role. Aside from Kirk, some of the other characters have a small role in generations, which undermines this a little bit. But to me, this is as good of a goodbye of a franchise of an era. As I've seen, I mean, I like this. Obviously, it matters more to me than Endgame, for example. I mean, Endgame doesn't screw it up, but it doesn't quite get it as wonderful as this. This, I just like, I like being with these characters. I've been with them a long time. It's an awkward kid after Star Wars. This, I had this whole time of spending time with the, the crew of the Enterprise after watching all these movies in order multiple times. And so, I mean, you just get this mix of really, really cool stuff to me. Saying goodbye to these characters dealing with mortality and our eventual obsolescence because we all become obsolete at some point time passes and a hundred thousand years who's going to know what's happened here and transpired um and we also get you know like we don't need to keep doing things because we have done things a certain way doesn't mean to keep doing it even if it's hard even if we're going to change the way we think let's be better versions of ourselves we don't need to be at war with the russians forever that's silly we don't need to try to annihilate them we work together and enrich and you know, TNG, Worf becomes the first Starfleet officer who's a Klingon. That, that's a part of TNG, is that he's the first one. So there's a, all this cultural tension between the two that comes on later in the series, and it's great. I don't know. Works for me. Um, Do you like the next generation more than the original, or is it because of the movies that that, that that's cast and those stories matter? The movies. There's the movies. Okay. I mean, I eventually went on in the middle or late aughts, saw all of the original series on Blu-ray or something. I don't remember how I watched it, or maybe it was on Netflix. Um, but it was the movies. I spent, this is how I spent my time with the original cast, was that boring one, the motion picture, all the way through six. And I'm sorry that you started with, I mean, it makes sense to start with the first one. It bored me as a kid. It's still kind of boring. I like some of the ideas. But it is by far the dullest one of those first six. And none of the other movies are even vaguely like it. And that one stands entirely on its own and almost doesn't get acknowledged ever again whereas the other ones you know they they have ideas some of them don't work as well um but they're fun so for me i mean are, are there the movies in the next generation that are worth checking out like, they're more actiony they've already yeah, shifted okay. away from ideas and plot and and ethical concerns which is what i like most about star trek is the ethical debates is the crazy alien ideas and trying to be the best version it gets to act i mean the best the TNG movies is First Contact. It's the one with the Borg. The Borg travel back in time and take over Earth. And the next generation crew has to stop them. It's a fun action movie. It doesn't have any interesting ideas. They just start giving up on ideas and just go kind of crazy with special effects and weird stuff. Um, Nemesis. The, the interesting ideas in this is just, for you, it's the idea that, like, about continuing a war that doesn't, has no end or brokering yeah. peace uh, well that yes um it, it's both speaking to people in 1991 about hey yeah i know we're used to, we spent the last 40 years hating russians let's move forward uh in the world of star trek we spent however many movies and tv shows being adversaries with the klingons so let's like, move forward this maybe is a bad comparison but like lord of the rings right like those are clearly sort of 
metaphors or, or allegories to World War II, right? You got the Nazis, you have America, you have England and all that. Like, is that, are you likening this storyline to that where it's just kind of. This one clearly is an allegory. I don't think that's even subtle. So J.R.R. Tolkien says that Lord of the Rings isn't an allegory. I think a lot of ideas he got from World War II, so I don't totally buy that that it's not allegorical at all. This one is overtly an allegory. This isn't. I don't. This isn't me projecting onto this. what was going on. But that's is, why you like it so much because of one that of the aspect. reasons. I also like that it's it's as good of an ending and goodbye for these kind of characters, and it's just a bunch of old fogies running around, um, and you don't get that and won't get that. Um, ever again? Who's who's your who's your person? Like who's the one in the cast that you like the most? Oh, like, I, I, I always Spock, as a kid, I like you're a big Spock. I like Spock because yeah. he was different. He had the ears and he was really smart. Um, and he approached situations logically. So yes, definitely, definitely Spock of the original crew, um, for sure. Um, he's the one I could most like. Would like ever really... Spock for Halloween? Did you ever dress up as Spock? Uh, no. no, I never did. Never dressed up as a Star Trek or a Star Wars character. I don't think ever. So. No, I don't think I ever did, but yeah, it's it's that it's the allegory, and it's just the broad idea of like we should keep trying to make a better future, even if we're not going to live in it, or even if it makes us uncomfortable and scary. But Kirk didn't want a better future. He gets convinced of that by the end. He has a narrative arc. I mean, I know you don't think he's a good actor; he's flat, and that's fine. I really don't. I, Kirk, I mean, William Shatner is a great actor. He is very weird. Um, but that's clearly his arc. He starts with "Let them die." I don't care. He starts with that. And then after a while, seeing... Another Klingon. They murdered my boy. He starts from there, and then he ends the movie saying... Yes, well, sure. But then he ends the movie with... Hey, uh, that actually didn't make sense. I get that I was scared and uncomfortable, and I was just thinking about myself and being selfish and silly. Actually, we should help the Klingons. Like... Screw my resentment. I'm going to okay. get over this. We, we can transcend this. That's his narrative arc. And Spock, also for his part, is like, yeah, I was a bit idealistic. Uh, the Vulcans are like the uppity liberals of the Star Trek world that people hate because they're smug know-it-alls who think they know what's best. And he realizes, oh. So they're like you know, the Bernie Sanders of the world? But... Sure, maybe if you want. Bernie Sanders, if you like. But um, he has to realize, okay, yeah, there's there's idealism, there's there's what I want to be true, and then there's actual reality, and my vision conflicted. But the, the scene where Spock <clears throat> mind melds with Kim Cattrall is horror. That's like mind rape was what's happening there, and it's horrifying. And that they put that kind of scene in there, which is morally ambiguous at best. Like, I respect it for doing that. Because you look at that, and they need that information. He's trying to get it, but he's literally coming in and forcibly ripping the information out of her brain using a bulk and mind mill. I don't know if you gathered that's what was happening here. Yeah, I figured it. He's, it's, he's like, it's, it's, it's like a day, it's day And you look at everybody around, we see the reaction of people that have known Spock a long time and they're like, they're really, it's really uncomfortable and it should be. Uh, you know, I guess you, you could argue that it's morally relevant because they're trying to save a lot of lives, but it's, it's a really horrifying thing what he does and I don't think they make it look heroic. They make it look pretty nasty. Um, and you can see that's as close as Spock gets to being overtly angry. He's not going to yell and scream because they repress all their emotions. But he's pissed in that scene. He's really angry. He's disappointed in her because she's a Vulcan who's been working to make this happen. And he thought the Vulcans were better than this and they're logical and they would do what makes sense. But logic has its own shortcomings. He has to see that because she's also logical, but she's plugging in different you know, premises 
into that. And she comes to different conclusions because she's got different assumptions. So logic doesn't just get him there. He has to get some of that pathos and that emotion that he's missing. And there's a lot of stuff that's happened with Spock. Uh, he dies at the end of the Wrath of Khan. He gets resurrected in Star Trek III. Um, he has to relearn who he is in Star Trek IV when they travel back in time. It gets well, really, really silly. Fun. It's very uh, silly nonsense that you don't care about. I understand. But we've been on this journey. We've seen Spock become less stuffy and less repressed. I know you probably can't see that in a vacuum, but he's got more personality than he ever has, which is very relative. But anyway, there's all this stuff happening that works for me that I, I think is really, really great. Um, okay. I don't like those other movies that you, you, these moments don't work, but when like Sulu, it's corny. It's definitely corny. When Sulu is trying to catch up to where they need to go and it's like, go faster! Go faster! It's like, well, ship and break apart. Break her apart then! That kind of stuff works for me. I mean, you know, it's corny, it's silly, but I'm like, yes, go. It's, the acting is so bad. Uh, That's fine. It's, it's fine. I, the awful. movie, these characters transcend acting for me because I've had all this time with them. But no, I, I'm not defending any of these acting forms as good. I mean, I, I, I think Spock, uh, Leonard Newey is probably the best, but that, I don't know. We're divorced. I, I don't know. I mean, they're not great. I, I, totally fair. Um, anyway, well, I can keep talking about sure, this movie. Yeah, I'm sure you could talk about this movie for like three hours. Um, is there any like big picture stuff you wanted to add that you haven't already kind of gone over for you? I mean, like I said, this is your number five favorite movie of all time. I love the passion. You clearly have just an absolute love for this movie. And yeah. it's not a Vulcan love because this is not, in my opinion, not a logical thing. No, for, you, you give me a lot of crap. But when you take away, like, if I had to put on my 50 best movies of all time, this movie probably wouldn't make it. But when you say get rid of artistic merits and just talk about what resonates with you and what clicks with you, this is this is one of them of all time. This movie, uh, I loved as a kid. I keep loving and I, I keep getting more out of it every time I watch it. So I assume for you this is a five out of five star film. For sure. You, I'd be sure. Since we're just gushing. I mean, I, again, if I were trying to give my serious evaluation, this movie has flaws, but I love it. If you were so. to write like a review on a, say, uh, New York Times is like, Ben Lewis, can you write a review for Star Trek Six? And I want it to be like, you know, critical review that, you know, you could post on the website. How, how would you, would, would it change or would you just be like, listen, fuck all you. This is, I love this movie. No, I would, I mean, I'd say, look, there's, you guys, there's a bunch of criticism people have of this movie and they all make sense, but I don't care. It has like a 90 something or 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Of all of the Star Trek movies, it's, yeah, it's considered one of the best, but that's sort of niche. It's, this one doesn't have as much general appeal. It's like, I mean, did you like Wrath of Khan or did that movie bore you too? It was all right. It was okay. okay. Just okay. Just okay. Yeah, did, okay. So, it, it, yeah, I mean, if, if you couldn't even get into that into Wrath of Khan, then, I mean, this would be just yeah, a lot, lot more dull, although definitely not Star Trek 1 dull. Um, I, I, I try to acknowledge it, but then I just talk about why I love it, and I just make it clear this is me. This, this is subjective. I mean, you just lean into it. This is my subjective perception. I mean, a lot of critics want to have an air of I am decrying what's true about film because people want attention. They want to be smart. Out of it. This is a objective opinion of this. Yeah, and, and, but like, Twitter's but, a nightmare place too because yeah. everyone wants to be smarmy and everybody's trying to be antagonistic to get attention, and it's really obnoxious. So I mean, just like look, I, I I'm not going to fault anybody for not liking any of these performances really because 
I don't care about the performances. I'm, I'm not like, oh, these performances are so wonderful. They, I, that's not. I, I just I, I like these characters. I've been with them so long, and I like the script and I like what's happening. I like the macro approach to what's happening. Um, and even like little yeah, silly you like, you like a big idea. You don't care about everything else that happens in it or how it's executed. Well, I think it's executed well enough. I mean, I you know you think their characters are too flat. I mean, they're supposed to be sort of flat and dispassionate. There's some nuance there. Um, and I, don't, I probably don't think the performances are bad as you think they are, but I don't think they're great. I'm not coming to bat for oof, Chekhov's performance. Um, Walter Koenig is Chekhov. But I mean, the moments work, you know. Um, there's just some comedic silly stuff in there. And I don't know. Which... Well, the Robocop guy read from that 70s show, every scene he was in, I, I just was laughing. I was like, this is not, this can't, this is a spoof, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, that's a fair criticism. It's very goofy. He's, it's very, very goofy. Uh, I, I don't know why they chose that makeup and that look for him. I have no idea. Why they want to give him the Fu Manchu or whatever that is, I have no idea. Well, and that Why is not his to... normal skin color. That's all. No, it's not. He's got makeup on. It's it's like it's prosthetics. He's got like ribbed foreheads and long yeah. white hair. He's, a, he's blind. Human, right? He's supposed to be human though, isn't he? I, I, I well, I guess I've debated that before. I, I thought he was supposed to be not human. That he's supposed to be some other species, but I, he's I think, supposed to live in Paris, right? Because wasn't the Eiffel Tower behind him? In, in well, that might office. be where the headquarters for something or other Earth, are. Earth Federation I, I, is in Paris. Well, it's supposed to be in San Francisco, I thought, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's somewhere on Earth. It's yeah. not. It's where he has to work, so whatever. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. It's goofy. Well, it's I totally mean, fair to laugh. I, for me to give a rate, like I'd probably give it three stars. I, you oh, know, I thought I you were gonna do worse than that. No, That's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I, I like it for the reasons I think you said. I think it is kind of an interesting story. Uh, for me, it's just like this kind of interesting idea of, you know, two warring nations, one having to sort of take refuge with the other, and then do we have peace or not? And then everything else to me is just like, this was not executed well. It was it felt like it was mailed in. All the cast was like, I don't want to be here. And the action was just bad and awful. Why was Christian Slater in this movie for like one scene? I, that made no sense. His mom me. was the casting director and he loved Star Trek. So that's why he wanted that scene. Okay. That's why I mentioned last week. He framed his check. He now, I don't know that it, maybe he's cashed he's it. He like snuck in on, on uh, uh, what's his face sleeping there? Um, Takai, George Takai sleeping. I was like, what, what is that? Why is that Christian Slater? And like, he's like in the shadows and you can't see his face until he like, stepped. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, there are just a lot of things about it that it, it's I, Star Trek. I've never connected with Star Trek. It's not my thing. I I, I do not. I, I, the, some of the ideas are interesting, but it's like I have this interesting idea of, about space exploration, and then I, nothing about it is entertaining or fun to watch or exciting or anything. The performances are dy not dynamic in any way. The dialogue is not interesting in any way. It's just this like, kind of one idea per episode and like, okay, shoot it. And and that's what this movie felt like. It was just this another episode of Star Trek filled into movie format and with some pretty bad CG and action and, and subplots that don't totally connect or are unnecessary. So. Yeah, you can trim it out. I mean, like the kangaroo court scene is like but I mean that that actually is the part I liked about the movie. Like I thought that was actually kind of entertaining, and it didn't feel like Star Trek for a little bit. It felt like just maybe a movie. Um, 
like Judge Dredd kind of has a similar uh, process, but I don't okay. know. Anything else you want to say? I mean, you, you want to gush more? I'll no, I'm not, I'm not. I, I, I'm not making a case for anybody. Like, if I'm trying to make a a watch list or make recommendations, this is a movie I would recommend for almost nobody. Um, it, it, it was just not like it's just not going to be most people's bag, baby. You know, it's just not, and that's fine. But this movie, I love. And this was the opportunity to talk about it. Um, like so this, Nicholas Meyer is the director. He, yeah, he directed Wrath of Khan, I think. Yeah, and Star Trek IV. He did, it yep. looks like he did a lot of the, the Star Trek movies. Um, yeah, Wrath yeah. of Khan Four, and then this one. And, so and there's the whole thing that only the even Star Trek movies are good is a is the a line that people have said about oh, Star two, Trek. Four, six, yeah, okay. Um, or only the ones he did, maybe. But, well, yeah. right, but then Generations isn't good. First Contact is considered good. Then it fades after that because it, it doesn't. The logic doesn't hold because the last two TNG movies suck. The first Abrams movie is his actually last, pretty good. This was his last direct directed movie. This guy Nicholas Meyer, and, and Leonard Nimoy directed the third one. I mean, I, I like all those middle ones for various reasons, but none of them resonate like this one does to me. So. Okay. Anyway, so I, I, I'm shocked. Even three is better. I think you, that's very generous. I think you're you're trying to be nice. I appreciate it. I, no. I thought for sure I'd get it. Uh, two and a half is what I thought you were going to give it. Like, uh, well, it's it's close. It's close to being that. Sure. It's it's in that wheelhouse, but. Uh, would you like to connect this movie to Field of Dreams? Doing your five let's degrees? do it. Um, so Leonard Nimoy is my guy. You know. You already asked me, like Spock. Leonard Nimoy is in the I think it's 1979 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, which have you ever seen that movie, Eric? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I know. I think I saw the original. Like okay, in the 50s or something. Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, if the one from the late 70s is probably more scary and creepy. I think. I, I, is that Donald Sutherland in that one also? That's exactly where I'm where I'm going with this. Okay. Yes, Donald Sutherland is the lead in that. Um. And Donald Sutherland is in uh, a movie called uh, MASH, 1970. A whole bunch of people. But uh, I'm going with our guy, Robert Duvall. That's an Altman movie, right, MASH? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is, yep. And then I'm going with a movie called uh, The Lawman, um, which uh, has a small role for Robert Duvall in it with Burt Lancaster who's, of course, in Field of Dreams. Okay. I've never seen The Lion, but it's just some early sure. 70s Western. Okay, I went with Kurtwood Smith is Brad. We kept referencing him just because I found it hilarious how he was in this entire movie. Uh, he's in Broken Arrow with also Christian Slater, so could have done, done our guy Slater. Uh, Broken Arrow is an awesome movie. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Uh, Frank Wally is actually in Broken Arrow. So if I was going to connect it sooner, I could. Uh, he's in JFK with Joe Pesci. And Joe Pesci's in Goodfellas with Ray Liotta. And Ray Liotta's in Field of Dreams. Jolly good. So that's how I connect right. that. Well, now, I, I, with much anticipation, Eric, number, number four on your list. Yeah, so number four on my list, uh, like we talked about, we're doing our top five favorite movies of all time. Um, I will give a series of questions to Ben, some um, trivia to reveal what that is, and then we'll do my number four favorite movie of all time. 
right. So, uh, clue number one. In 2014, this film was selected um, for presentation by the U.S. National Film Registry in or preservation. Sorry, it was selected to be preserved by the U.S. National Film Registry at the Library of Congress. Got it. So it's a movie that didn't necessarily come out then, but they decided but in now's 2014. Time. Yeah, we so decided now we're gonna we're gonna honor this one. It's a great film for all time. Got it. Okay, that, that doesn't help me, but got you. Okay. All right. Clue number two. There is a sequel to this film. Okay. We're not doing the sequel, but there is a sequel to this film. Okay. Could be a lot of movies. All right. Uh, this was loosely inspired by the work of Raymond Chandler, the author. Okay. Loosely inspired. Okay. Post- Postman Rings Twice is him, I believe. He's done a couple other films. He's done a lot of. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of detective yeah. noir stuff that was based on Raymond Chandler. Uh, I, my, my brain's trying to think of some of these movies from the 40s and 50s. Anyway, go ahead. I, I, I'm doubting it's those, but anyway, go ahead. Okay. Um, let's see. So this movie was released in 1998. Oh, okay. Give me that clue actual release date. 1998. Okay. It's got a sequel. Raymond Chandler. I got nothing. Uh, I, do, I don't know if his last school will help. I tried to make it a little more difficult. So Marlon Brando was long considered for the title character of this movie. He's not. He doesn't put the title character, but he was long considered to play the title character for this film. Um, so Marlon Brando's dead by now, so this, I don't know when they first did this movie. Um, I don't know, man. You got me. No guess. No, no guess. It involves bowling. Oh, Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. Yes. There's a sequel to Big Lebowski. Uh, in 2020, in 2020, John Turturro wrote and directed a spinoff called Jesus Rolls about Good his, Lord. his character. The, the I did Jesus. not know that was a thing. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, I did not even. I've never heard of that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the Sounds title awesome. character is the Big Lebowski, so Brando was going to play that guy, but I think he died maybe before they made it. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, yeah, he died, I think, 96, 97? <laughs> right after he got the Island of Dr. Moreau done. Yeah, yeah so number four on my all-time favorite movie list is the Big Lebowski, the Coen Brothers film. Love it. Very excited. Uh, sure, that's great. Uh, it didn't didn't make my list, but it's a great movie. Uh uh, spoiler alert! I'm looking forward to rewatching it for I don't know I don't even know what time it is for me, so should be fun. Okay, well go check out. The, thanks everybody for listening and rate and review and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And uh, keep on watching. Is that keep on watching? Keep sure. On, keep on dreaming. Sometimes you eat the bar. Sometimes the bar eats you. What is that like? Uh, West or Eastern? Bar fella, dude. Alright. Take it easy, take it easy, dude.